0: In the name of our living God, amen. The first time we met, I didn't know where to look. Her face is so severely disfigured with dark, scaly, jet black, crusted growths and tufts of hair across her forehead and covering one eye. She was walking toward me, limping and tired. She had a canvas backpack that I can remember with several small, very dirty, stuffed animals dangling off it, and two or three plastic grocery bags bursting with clothes and seemingly random papers. I remember seeing a toothbrush sticking out of a hole and wondering whether she had any toothpaste. She made her way into a pew set all the bags down, and looked right up at me. Hello. My name is Jane. She gestured quickly for me to join her in the pew. We shuffled one of those grocery bags to the floor, and I sat down. The closer I was, the more desperate the situation became. I noticed that the laces were missing on Jane's sneakers. Her fingernails were dirty and torn. She spoke in a soft, high-pitched voice that I actually had trouble understanding. I was thinking she was probably about 18. Jane volunteered that she'd had a rough night in the shelter. She volunteered that a fight had broken out under her window, two drunk men on the sidewalk below were in a scramble, and that another woman in her room seemed to be having some kind of psychotic episode. She asked me if I was a pastor. I told her, well, not exactly. I'm a Christian, I'm a member of this church, and I admit now that I expected her next question would be to ask me for money. Instead, Jane asked me to pray. She asked me to pray for her life. She said right then and there, I'm homeless. I have no family in the area. I have no idea where my baby's son is, they took him away, and I want to rebuild my life." So I didn't have to work quite as hard to meet Jane as Philip did, to meet and catch up with the the Ethiopian eunuch on the road. Philip had to get up and go. Philip had to go down a dangerous road from Jerusalem to Gaza. He had to run alongside a moving chariot and scramble and hoist himself up into it. But the figure Philip met, like Jane, was a social outcast and a seeker. The eunuch had traveled a long distance to Jerusalem, hoping to worship in the temple. And there's a very good chance that he was turned away. We'll never know. But certainly, as a foreign-born, castrated male, he would not have been allowed into the inner court of that temple, where heaven and earth meet. It's very likely that the eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah in some kind of state of existential crisis. He longed to know more, but was defeated. How can I understand what I'm reading unless someone guides me? As my prayer ended, Jane's amen could be heard across the sanctuary. She asked me how I learned to pray, and she listened attentively as I accounted for the hope that is in me. I talked about being baptized as a baby. We laughed about how little my church-going, loving parents actually ever taught me about being a Christian, and how transformative my college Bible study class and group had actually been. As we were winding down and the service was about to begin, Jane gestured to the font, and she said as clearly as there was language to speak, I want to be baptized. A few weeks later, on October 30, 2011, Jane Eloise Houston was baptized at the Church of the Epiphany in downtown DC, and I was privileged to be her sponsor. And to become her godmother as she now calls me very lovingly. As the congregation asked God to bless Jane with an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and love God, and the gift of joy and wonder in all God's works, she stood tall and proud and beamed and quivered. I remember her baptismal candle dripping on the floor as her arm shook. Jane felt the power of God and a new life opening before her. Today Jane's life isn't easy but I never hear her complain. The gap between her experience as an American citizen and mine remains enormous. Her face is still covered with hairy Nevis. She has multiple medical issues After repeated applications, she finally qualified for social security medical disability, and now she has a small apartment of her own. She has literally laid her bags down. She is attending school full-time and counting the months until her graduation with a high school diploma. She still walks with a limp, but with more confidence and more purpose. She was recently awarded the Barack Obama Professionalism Award because her teachers recognized exceptional poise, dignity, and perseverance. Most importantly for us here tonight, like the eunuch, Jane came out of the waters of baptism rejoicing. She has never looked back. Her faith is on fire. She found hope. She texts me literally every single morning with a prayer for my day, and a string of random, smiley, heart-filled emojis. She calls me the minute she receives her grades every quarter, and she always asks me what God is doing in my life. And she expects an answer. She takes my being her godmother very seriously. John's Gospel reminds us today that no one comes to a relationship with the living bread, Jesus unless drawn by the Father. Jane had only known a life of darkness and defeat, yet God placed genuine curiosity and longing in her heart. The eunuch had never known freedom or belonging, and yet he yearned to know God. The Spirit blessed Philip and me with the vocation to respond. Together, Jane and I, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, became disciples along the way. I believe in sacramental transformation because I have seen it. I believe in faith formation because I have lived it. I have been described as fierce about baptism, a moniker I'm proud to claim because I have seen that baptism changes lives. At the font, we we receive superpowers from God. Only God can give them and only we can decide to live them. To be born again in Christ requires us to let go of habits, attitudes, and beliefs that tie us down. We are given the opportunity to renounce evil, to relinquish our attachments to material madness and manipulative evil, to relinquish everything that forces us and corrupts all that is around us in God's creation in order to receive the fullness of God's love and mercy. In the moment when we, or sponsors on our behalf, were asked, do you turn to Jesus Christ to accept him as your savior? The answer, I do, changed everything. Our lives and the lives of all baptized people are reoriented in that moment to follow and obey Jesus. My dream, indeed what I imagine God is dreaming for all of us, is that we be as confident and as enthusiastic about our faith in Jesus Christ as is Philip, and now Jane. I dream that we are as willing to be sent down roads that are wilderness, that we have eyes to see and ears to hear God already at work in the lives around us, and that we be willing to jump into a moving chariot to testify to our faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, when we witness another person proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, may our first question be, are you baptized? And not, are you ordained? The mission of God and the Church depends on each and every one of us claiming our vocation as a baptized child of God. For someone whose life work is about baptism and discipleship, the Book of Acts is my script for how to follow and live the Great Commission. And its stories are God's promises to me and to you that all things are possible in God.